You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcast after having a bit of a Thanksgiving break. I hope you enjoyed your holiday and you feel refreshed and relaxed and hopefully ready to get back to winning ways because over the weekend, basically, the Pelicans went on an 0-3 streak on their, their East Coast road trip with losses to the 76ers, to the New York Knicks, and the Washington Wizards. We're going to talk about all three of those games. I'm going to break it up. We're going to look at the 76ers game first because that's where you saw good Pelicans. And then in the next two games, the loss to the Knicks, the loss to the Wizards was bad Pelicans. And we need to look at these separately. And then finally, the Pelicans do hope to get back on track tonight in the Smoothie King Center against the Boston Celtics, a game I know all Pelicans fans want to win. And Boston hasn't been playing great recently. I'm going to preview that game in the third segment here with my Locked On NBA co-host, John Corrales, host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. And we'll kind of dive in on that because these two teams are pretty, pretty similar. So it's worth kind of taking a look at this game in a little bit more detail than we would otherwise. So a lot to cover. We'll recap these games quickly, then really dive into tonight's matchup against the Boston Celtics. So a couple of things before we get into the recaps and everything. If you're a new listener, thank you very much for tuning in and making Locked on Pelicans part of your day. And if you've been a longtime listener or a listener at any point in time, I appreciate you being here. Do me a favor, though. Give the podcast a five-star rating. It doesn't sound like much, but it really does help out, and it keeps us free in five days for you all. And hey, if anyone asks you for any good podcasts, please tell them to listen to Locked on Pelicans. Other quick news that we got to mention, personal shout out here, Bowl Wave, Tulane Green Wave beating Navy over the weekend, making uh, making a bowl game. They're bowl eligible. We'll find out soon. As a Tulane alum, as someone that works for Tulane, pretty awesome to see. But that's not why you're here. You're here for the Pelicans. And first, their close game against the Philadelphia 76ers. So it was a 121-120 loss for your New Orleans Pelicans, but you know what? You kind of liked what you saw out of the team in this game. They fell behind pretty big early. They were down by as many as 16, but they slowly chipped away at this lead, getting it close and manageable, and being able to go into the fourth quarter and late in the fourth quarter with a shot to win. And it was actually Anthony Davis who looked very upset after the game when his final free throw that would have tied it up rimmed out and the Pelicans weren't able to grab the rebound and didn't get the victory that they had hoped. Anthony Davis, who had kind of a subpar shooting game for him, he was only 4 of 13 from the field overall, 12 points in this one. Etuan Moore, though, 30 points. He's been outstanding this year, and you've got to just love how he works within this offense. And as much as he's being included in, in trades and everything, fake trades, I should say, you understand why people might be kind of hesitant to do it. He's certainly worth more to this Pelicans team than he would be to, say, another team where he fits really, really well here. Miritich finished with 13 points on the night. Drew Holiday was doing his best Russell Westbrook impression in this one. 30 points despite going one of six from three, but he was aggressive, got to the line eight times, 10 assists as well, though five turnovers, not great for him. Anthony Davis had six 
Got to cut that down. Julius Randle's great off the bench in 28 minutes, 22 points, 10 boards, four offensive rebounds too. He's been looking pretty good. The Pelicans had 27 second chance points in this one, 20 points in the fast break. They were doing what you want them to do. Yeah, they didn't, you know, they could probably cough the ball up a few too many times. But overall, this is a tough team to play. Philly's good. There's no denying that. After this one, they were 13-7. and So they've been pretty good in the Eastern Conference. Joel Embiid is an absolute monster, by the way. He finished with 30 points, 19 boards on the night. Jimmy Butler was kind of kept quiet. 5 of 16 from the field for just 13 points. Um, And no one else really, really got going. Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons, 22. 8 and 7 for him and they kind of kept JJ Redick from getting hot 0 for 7 from deep they were in position to win this and that's really all you can ask for on the road from this Pelicans team when you're not getting a 20 point game from Anthony Davis they did what you wanted to see they had a chance to win it late and kind of just were unable to convert maybe you'd like to see them not get off to such a terrible run but you had solid performances from guys that you would like to see solid performances from again another 30 point game for each one more 30 from Drew Holiday, who stepped up when this team really needed someone to be their main go-to guy. And Julius Randle doing damage off the bench. It's just unfortunate it ended as a loss. It's just kind of one of those things. But you had to have liked what you saw from this team, and it kind of gave you a lot of hope moving forward. And then the Pelicans two nights later, and then three nights later, completely ripped that hope away from you all. And that's what we're going to dive into next. Speaking of hope being ripped away from you, how about those refs in the seven-overtime thriller between LSU and Texas A&M likely knocking LSU out of a New Year's Six Bowl game? That one was fun if you stayed up late enough to watch it. And if you did and you were an LSU fan, you're probably furious and you're probably mad at me for mentioning it, and I am oh so sorry. But if you want to know more about it, were those ref calls bad or were they right? We've seen a little bit of things come out on that on Twitter. Make sure you listen to the Locked On LSU podcast with Matt Moscona. He's going to talk you through this. It'll be a little bit of therapy. It'll be a little bit of tough love, but he's going to help you get over this loss and process it. That's one of the the main steps you got to do after something like this. Again, seven overtimes, 74 to 72. That was a hell of a game. Listen to Locked On LSU with Matt Moscona to help you get through that crushing defeat. So despite the loss, you felt pretty good about how the Pelicans played on Wednesday with that loss to the 76ers and expected maybe them to 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 kind of hit the proverbial rebound in this one against the New York Knicks, a Knicks team that's been bad all year long and has been pretty horrid defensively, who only had five wins going into this game. They were five and 14 and have kind of been going through a youth movement, though that shifted a little bit in this game and you weren't seeing guys like. Uh, Frank Tilakina and Mitchell Robinson and others and Kevin Knox getting a lot of the the minutes that you had been used to seeing from them and they kind of shifted away from that youth movement to more kind of established NBA players in this one but still the Knicks have five wins they have five wins for a reason they're bad so you weren't expecting a 114-109 win for the Knicks over the Pelicans and the Pels to drop this one on the road. Who cares about anything else? That's just not good. We've been saying there were no bad losses for the Pelicans going into this road trip. That continued after the loss to the 76ers. But all of a sudden, that first bad loss of the season, which, by the way, happens. Like, you're going to have bad losses. It's an 82-game season. There's some randomness. There's some variance in there. You're going to have bad losses. It's usually, though, when the other team just gets really hot 
shooting wise and they kind of beat you that way that really wasn't the case in this game against the New York Knicks the Knicks shot just 44.6% from the field overall Pelicans didn't do any better than that 39.6% overall too and it was just kind of a, a, a combination of lack of effort and not making your shots and when that happens yeah you're going to lose but the lack of effort is kind of the stunning part to this Anthony Davis went out of this one and was questionable to return after kind of the, the Knicks played a little bit. It felt like dirty almost, kind of getting under the Pelicans after their shots with no fouls called and caused Miritich to tweak an ankle and then Davis to get hurt in this one. He did come back in the game, but you'd forgive it, be forgiven if you thought he was out the entirety of it because you didn't see him really in the fourth quarter at all. He had a very great stat line, 12 of 19 from the field, 8 of, 11, eight of 10 from the free throw line, 12 rebounds and 33 points, but he was nowhere to be found in the fourth quarter. Drew Holiday did the best he could, but again, he was having a sub uh, subpar shooting night overall as well. In the fourth quarter, by the way, as I pull the numbers up here, the Pelicans were 7 for 26 overall, 1 of 10 from deep, and you just saw kind of isolation ball after isolation ball. Each one more took two shots in the fourth quarter. That's not going to cut it. Anthony Davis, in just three minutes or so, a little bit over that, was only... Uh, one of one from the field at dunk and just wasn't demanding the ball and his teammates weren't even looking for him the ball movement and all of that completely dried up and went away and they were just kind of cool bouncing dribbling pounding the rock and then jacking up a shot and when that happens yeah you're gonna go one of 10 from deep you're gonna go seven from 26 when you're not manufacturing good looks this was a horrible fourth quarter for your new orleans pelicans the knicks went on a 16 to 2 run and basically just iced it when that was going on it's just this is kind of on everyone but it's a pretty pathetic loss you can't be happy about it with the isolation ball no ball movement anything like that you can look at all the numbers you want and it's not great 26 second chance points is good sure but just four fast break points for the pelicans in this one that's usually a sign of them just not wanting to do this when the knicks are not shooting above 50 percent there yeah that's not great and the Knicks weren't playing well in the fourth quarter either. They shot just 33.3%, so they're making a third of their shots. And the Pelicans still couldn't get past them. The Knicks put up 27 points in that quarter. You can beat a team with that, but not when you put up 19 yourself. It was just no one looked like they cared. It looked like the refs in the LSU game on that personal foul or on the, the unnecessary, unsportsmanlike conduct. The ref just did not want to be there whatsoever anymore. See me play to my audience here. They, the guy just didn't want to be there. The Pelicans look like they just didn't want to be in this one whatsoever. It's disappointing to see. Why even put Anthony Davis back in the game if he's not going to play that efficiently or kind of demand for the ball or have his teammates get it to him? Yes, that's kind of a, a big question with it. But the other thing is he's also an important decoy and he demands a lot of attention and that can help create looks for others. But when they aren't taking advantage of that or working off ball or wanting the ball with that space they're getting, it's not going to do you any good. And that's one of the big reasons why the Pelicans lost this one. So a disappointing loss from them on Friday night. So after the stinker against the Knicks, the Pelicans played on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, which is a tough situation, and lost 124-114 to to the Washington Wizards. If you think this Wizards team is good, you're not paying attention to the league and you're not watching them as a whole. They have been dysfunctional all year on the court and off the court with the repeated locker room issues. We spent like an episode talking about guys you could try and poach from them because they just need to move on from some of this crap. And the Pelicans made this team look really, really good. Not what you want after having a good road record last year and kind of really struggling now 
on the road. The Pelicans, after losing this one, dropped 10 and 10 as they go into tonight's game against the Boston Celtics. Kind of the same thing. They were in this one until the fourth quarter where Washington outscored the Pelicans 34 to 23. So you can see the difference going into that. It was pretty close. Hell's down just, uh, or sorry, up one. And then the Wizards go on to have a 10-point win. Just seven second-chance points for your New Orleans Pelicans. Nine fast-break points total. That's compounded by the fact that AD didn't play in this one. we got to mention that, too. I should have mentioned that in the beginning. But he didn't play in this one after kind of that hip quad injury that they're calling it that leaves him questionable going into tonight's game. But still, this Wizards team bad is bad, and you should at least keep it closer than that. But then they were. Things look good. You know, Julius Randle was... Uh, 10 of 16 from the field for 29 points. Miritich was 7 of 12, 5 of 9 from deep for 24 points. Randall, by the way, with 15 uh, boards. Each one more, 19 points on the night. Drew Holiday was struggling to kind of create the offense, but did put up 16 himself. Darius Miller came in and hit a couple of threes and ran up to 10 points off the bench. You kind of liked what you saw from this team, and they were keeping it themselves in the game. And then, oh my God, shit just fell apart in the fourth quarter for this New Orleans team. They couldn't do anything. It, it was the exact same thing that what you saw um, against the the New York Knicks, where they shot poorly, they just missed looks, and they just you didn't see the energy and effort from them. They were eight of twenty one from uh, the field after that. They had five assists during the time. The ball movement wasn't there. Five assists on eight shots, okay, but you'd like more, and you'd like to see the ball movement get other shots to hopefully get you more open looks. And it was a bit of a struggle. This is kind of where you really see the need for another point guard on this team. And I think this team's trying to kind of weather the storm until Alfred Payton comes back, and we need to probably talk about this tomorrow. But they, they need some help there right now because you saw the offense just completely fall apart. And that's after the Wizards weren't making some shots too and the Pelicans had a chance to get into this one and they just weren't able to take advantage because they had no one who could kind of organize them on the offensive side. Offense shouldn't be a problem for this team. Maybe if you're missing Anthony Davis, maybe if you're missing Alfred Payton, but Julius Randle, Miritich, Holiday, Moore, you guys should be able to kind of gut out some of these wins or at least keep them closer and not get us all angry and riled up over what we're seeing on the court and I think that's kind of the disappointing thing you need to get some point guard help because Tim Frazier certainly is not the answer so if you're depressed after the 0-3 streak for the Pelicans on the road yeah I get you you need something that kind of makes you a little bit happy right well the Saints look pretty good after taking care of business against the Falcons on Thanksgiving night and they got a big game upcoming this week at the Dallas Cowboys and our man Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast, is here to walk you through why the Saints team is so good, why there's a lot of kind of reminiscing and similarities between the 09 Super Bowl team and this year's team, and how they are going to beat the Cowboys on Thursday. So make sure you listen and subscribe to Ross Jackson and Locked on Saints. Joining me now on Locked On Pelicans, I got my Wednesday co-host from Locked On NBA because our two teams are playing each other. So please welcome John Corrales at Reds Army underscore John, host of the Locked On Celtics podcast here with me to preview this game on Monday night in a in like a matchup of two teams that kind of look largely the same. They're both 10 and 10 and they seem to kind of both have issues with effort and kind of getting up for games and consistency and defense. Right, John? Yeah, the Celtics... Really disappointing uh, right now. At ten and ten, they the, look, we came into the season thinking that the Celtics were going to be challenging the Warriors. We spent all freaking September talking about how they matched up with Golden State, and there was a whole 
thing called the regular season that we really didn't pay attention to. I think the team is kind of similar to the fans that they thought, all right, well, we've been anointed, so we're okay. Uh, They've had big games. They've beaten Milwaukee. They've beaten Toronto. They've beaten good teams, but they've also lost. Look, they just lost to Dallas. They've lost to the Knicks. They've really had some really disappointing games. And it's not a lack of ability, as we've been saying on our podcast all over the place. Uh, It's a lack of effort. They have big breakdowns that key moments things that shouldn't happen are happening against Dallas at the end of the third quarter a critical time where the Celtics were down three and could have gotten a stop they let J.J. Barea blow by a completely botched defensive pick and roll coverage where Terry Rozier and Al Horford were just not on the same page and he goes in for a layup and instead of going into the fourth quarter potentially with the ball if they got a stop and either down three or down one, they end up going in down five. And it's just a big swing at a critical time. This team has had a lot of breakdowns like this. And when the, for some reason they feel too comfortable or their focus is off or whatever, uh, when, when they're going well, they look good. They haven't been going well very often. And it's very easy for the Celtics, the Celtics defense to make mistakes allow pick and roll to, to crush them and on offense very easy for them to devolve into isolation and and really lack ball movement uh, to, to get guys open so yeah I mean it's just kind of very similar to the Pelicans here and what we've been seeing with this team so going into tonight's game that's kind of a good rundown on on where they stand with everything so I saw Gordon Hayward miss the last game. Is he playing in this one? And what about Jalen Brown, who looks like he left your last game on Saturday with an injury? Gordon Hayward's taken off the injury report, so he'll play. Jalen Brown probably won't play. He's doubtful. He had a fall where he, um, he went up to block a shot. Uh, momentum carried him where he got clipped, kind of undercut accidentally, and he fell directly on his lower back. X-ray's negative, but he is listed currently as doubtful. So unless he makes some sort of big recovery, I wouldn't expect him to play. And with the Celtics having three days off before their next game, I would bet that they'll kind of sit him to give him those four days to recover and get him ready. They're not going to push him in November, and they'll probably use a lot more Shemi Ojale in his place. Yeah, and, and Ojale is kind of a big one in this, isn't he? With Anthony Davis and then Julius Randle coming off the bench. I mean, obviously Davis, if he plays, it's unsure just yet. I just looked at the injury report that came out for the Pelicans. He's still listed as questionable. So I think he'll be a game-time decision in this one. But Ojale is going to need to defend both of the, you know, at least one of these guys, let's say, assuming that, you know, Davis doesn't play and then both if he does. Uh, yeah, I would expect either Hayward or Marcus Morris to start in Jalen Brown's place. And then Ojale will come in, I think, off bench. If, if Randall is the starter if, and if Davis doesn't play, we might see an Ojale start. We've seen Ojale start before. Uh, that's the matchup I'm looking at. If, if Randall is – look, you can't let Randall go off. We've seen too many guys go off against the Celtics. I'm already afraid of the guards. It's always been a guard that goes off, but they'll they'll be just sunk if Randall comes in off the bench and has a huge game. So they'll they'll rely on Ojale, who's got pretty quick feet, who's very strong to to come in and try and defend him. 
and whatever offense they get out of Ojale would be a bonus at that point. But the whole key would be to slow Randall down, muscle him, hopefully frustrate him, at least take him out of the game and limit him. So I, I think Ojale can be a very important player in this game. It, so is he the one with the combat muscles or is that someone yes, else? Yes, he is. See, I'm uh, learning, Ojale, I know one, one thing or two about Celtics Twitter. Very good. Here. That's very good. Yeah, Ojale's got the combat muscles. He's got the Ojale factory where combat muscles are made. So, yeah. <laughs> Celtics Twitter sounds fun, actually. I, I won't weird, lie. weird Celtics Twitter, man, is an acid trip. It's it's kind of fun. Even if you're not a Celtics fan, like if you if you follow the right few people, and just just let it go. Just don't try to make sense of it. Just experience it as like a '60s kind of hippie thing. Like you're you're really gonna have a lot of fun. <laughs> And just ignore all the trading for Anthony Davis tweets that, that probably come with all of that, too. So <laughs> this Pelicans team has been really good on the offensive glass. How is Boston done on defensive rebounding? Is this an area the Pelicans might be able to get an advantage? And if they come out with the, the poor effort, maybe that's a way they can try and equalize the game a little bit more. Uh, Boston's actually been one of the better defensive rebounding teams uh, in the league so far. So their their defensive rebound has defensive rebounding has been uh, pretty good. Uh, they are uh, sixth in the league this year in defensive rebounding, and they've, they've gone up uh, from last year. So, and let's see, offensive rebounds, uh, the opponents are getting, I mean, look, when you're, when you're the sixth, offense, sixth best defensive rebounding team, you're, you're limiting other teams' offensive rebounds, but it's, it's, it's not unheard of for a particular player if somebody goes in to burn them in three or four spots. And it's not about the volume with the Celtics. It's about taking advantage of their lapses. For New Orleans to beat the Celtics, it's not about just completely crashing the glass and trying to get every offensive rebound. Because what will happen is you're not going to, and the Celtics will get out in transition. It's about a guy selectively crashing the glass. And when he can see a lane to maybe follow uh, a good angle to a shot that somebody else is taking, if that one guy can can do that the right way, he can go in there and, and burn the Celtics because they will turn and not look and not box somebody out and, and get burned in two or three different possessions. And, and the key for teams that beat the Celtics is taking advantage of those lapses. The Celtics have been very bad in stretches where they just kind of lose focus. And it, it happens in an instant. Something goes wrong. If they miss shots, if like you'll know right away. If the Celtics are missing shots in the first quarter, if, if the Pelicans go out to like a 34-20 lead in the first quarter, you got them. Like, you got them. It's, it's, the Celtics, they'll make a comeback, but you got them. If the Celtics keep it close in the first quarter, then you're in trouble because then things then they're engaged and they're going to be in this fight. So when the Celtics have those little lapses, like they'll have a comeback and then something will go wrong. As soon as the Celtics like miss a shot or turn the ball over, it's very likely that that the Pelicans will go on a quick like 6-0-8-2 mini run and and those you string a few of those together and that, and that's where the Celtics have really gotten crushed. 
Yeah, and, and Julius Randle's pretty good at kind of picking his spots with offensive rebounds. He's kind of come up with a couple of clutch ones, easy putbacks that have kept the Pelicans in things. So hopefully that's what we'll see tonight. And also their transition defense has just been god-awful. So you don't want to kind of aggressively go after the offensive glass against a very good defensive rebounding team because that's probably a recipe for disaster. And I don't know if the Pelicans, you know, maybe they're expected to lose this one, but certainly getting on a four-game losing streak is going to hurt. So in the backcourt, you said you're kind of worried about the guard play either drew holiday or maybe each one more and we were talking on your podcast maybe an each one more revenge game but the battle between Kyrie and holiday is going to be a lot of fun to watch I'm not sure holiday is going to be the guy that has the big game because the more energy and effort he spends on defense which he's going to need to in this one and you'll see him kind of guarding wing players too just depending on what the lineup is out on the court it hurts him offensively just the energy there but does he have a chance of maybe shutting someone down in this one or is their their offense at least on an individual basis maybe enough to overcome that drew holiday uh look i i think drew will will make Kyrie's life very difficult um i think what Kyrie should do against drew holiday right away is is become a facilitator first and then try to i think uh soften up the health defense help defense it's almost like a body blow you you want to show early that you're setting up your teammates and then this way you can't sag off the wing players to kind of help if, if holiday gets beat or whatever. Um, once that happens, then Kyrie can go to his bread and butter, his dribbling. And there's there, nobody, nobody can guard Kyrie Irving. If, if he's got that handle going, but he needs to, I think focus a little bit more on facilitating really the thing that the Celtics need to do offensively is get Jalen Brown going early. If they can get Jalen Brown going early, then he becomes a problem. Because you you have to now account for him and his confidence grows very early and that allows for I mean first of all allows him to get going and and make shots later in games because that confidence early in games really helps him down the road and secondly it softens things up like I said uh, and and then Kyrie can get cooking on his own the, the the biggest problem though I think is if the Celtics aren't moving the ball if they aren't running their offense and they aren't making shots early then everybody can get shut down. Like Drew will shut down Kyrie because he won't get the ball back because there's no movement and the, the Celtics devolve into individual play. So um, the key, the key for Boston is, is to get these other guys going early, start setting these other guys up early and then let Kyrie pick it up later in the game. Yeah. So these two teams sound basically just like exact copies of each other at times. The more they really the more do we talk about it, it's the same thing. Like I talk about it exactly in the same manner that you are. And it's just kind of weird how similar they are. So this is going to be interesting. So before we wrap up here, any idea on how this game's going to go? Ah, nope. <laughs> yeah. None, none. Right. <laughs> Not with these Celtics. Uh, look, Every day, every game, I, I write up a big preview uh, and I, I bet against the spread theoretical bucks. I, I bet five theoretical dollars against the spread and I'm down, I think 50 theoretical dollars against the Celtics. They're horrible against the spread. There's no predicting these guys. They, they, they lose games that they shouldn't, they, they can't cover. They can't, I just, I, I have no clue what to expect. I would think that if Anthony Davis is playing like, I actually think Anthony Davis playing would be better for the Celtics because it forces them to be focused on a on an elite player 
and not be like, oh, Anthony Davis isn't playing, so this is not a big deal. Even though they just got beaten by the the Mavericks and the Knicks and just having something to play up against that motivates them and that would be Anthony Davis having Davis there to be like oh well sh- we got to really go out there and and try now we got to try cuz Anthony Davis is there that might actually kickstart everything into working well in a in it's if if that doesn't make any sense to you no i get i get that totally like you you just be it, it's they can't walk in and be like oh no ad but we that's... can totally roll over this team and then you don't because that's how you get got in this league at times that's the Celtics team like this Celtics team doesn't make sense uh, we know that they should be better. They should be a lot better than this. Their problems are entirely mental. There's not a single physical issue with these guys. There's not a single ability issue with this team. They have the ability to do all of the things that we in Boston want them to do. They just don't for whatever reason. And whatever it takes to motivate them is is great for me. So... If that means it's Anthony Davis playing, then great. That may not really help them win, but it, the Celtics really just need to be motivated for a full game. So I, I can't, I can't begin to venture a guess as to what would happen. Yeah, at least it's going to be an interesting game and probably plenty to watch for and take away from. And I know we'll be recapping it all. So, John, thanks for joining me here on Locked On Pelicans today to preview it. You got it, my man. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Enjoy the game, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow to recap it.